Welcome to Fireside with VoxGig, a podcast for professional and aspiring public speakers. I'm your host, Richard Roger, the founder of VoxGig.com, an online community for speakers and event professionals. We're here to help you get the most out of speaking, organizing, exhibiting, and attending. In each episode, we sit down for an intimate fireside chat with people in the public speaking community to learn how they have mastered the art of getting up on stage and speaking in front of an audience. If you're an aspiring speaker or just want to improve your onstage performance, this podcast will help you learn from some of the most accomplished and interesting professional conference speakers. And finally, before we begin, a quick shout out and thank you to simplecast.com, first and last word in podcasts, who have kindly come on board as our first ever sponsor. In this chat, I talked to Emily Ross, who has perhaps the distinction of being the first speaker we've spoken to who could burn you alive. Emily started her career in performance as a fire dancer, and she's only gone from strength to strength. In this podcast, I talked to her about finding the right way to communicate your message. And once again, shout out to our wonderful sponsor, Simplecast. Thank you very much, guys. Emily, uh, thank you so much for joining us today on the Fireside with Socks Gig podcast. It is great to have you here. Thank you very much. You are a business owner and you speak mostly to move your business forward. And I think a lot of our listeners find themselves in that situation as well. They have to speak professionally, but they're not professional speakers. So how do you approach that? How do you balance that need to speak and promote your business with running the business? How do you find time to prepare for talks? How do you get invited to conferences? That's a really good question. And actually, I have a, a number of colleagues who try and do the same thing and balance this. I was actually lucky enough. So my company, we were at a strategic consultancy firm. We're a small team. There's about six of us. And we, we help companies, usually tech companies, scale and grow. But um, one of my clients was a phenomenal lady called Deborah Searle. And she's a TED speaker and an author. And, and she speaks all around the world. And we helped put together a site for her, which helps people advise on, on speaking. So that was kind of the, the seed of an idea for me to say, well, you know, I could actually speak too as part of my business strategy. But I think it's really important to balance the event with the business. So for example, you could get 10 requests to speak, yeah. especially if you enjoy it and if you're an engaging speaker. But maybe only two or three of those are going to be strategic and beneficial for your business. So I generally tend to weigh up where the event is, how much time it will take. If I can do a talk that I've perhaps done before, or if it's something that I have to create from scratch, because if there's an awful lot of effort and time and attention to creating a good talk. Isn't there? I've spoken a number of times at DMX and for the Marketing Institute. And it was funny, I was asked to give a talk. I was asked to give three talks back to back over three days back in March. And one was DMX, and the, which is Ireland's largest digital marketing conference. Um, one was then at a an event in London, a VC fund that I work with had an investor day and they wanted me to speak to their investees yeah. about marketing. And the third one was at um, South by Southwest. And so I decided, well, I can absolutely do these back to back in three days if I do the same talk. Of course. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> the event organizers had a completely different idea. Oh, yeah. And so DMX came back to me and said, no, actually, we want to, we want you to give a talk on 
on career path. And I've never spoken on career path before. And I was saying, well, really? Are you sure? I mean, I've dropped out of college. I've had the most random jobs in the last 20 years. And we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, some of the, there has never been any randomness into my career path. And I said, honestly, why on earth would you want me to talk about that? And actually, the, the organizer who I've known for, for about a decade, I think, said, you know what? No matter what job you've been in, you're always happy. You're always fulfilled. You're always, you know, enjoying yourself. So can you talk about that? And actually, I gave probably one of the most personal and non-technical talks that I'd ever given. And I really enjoyed it. But again, it did. It, it took up a lot of time. Now, what I would say is that the personal insight I got from the talk that I gave and from the insight that it forced me to, to gain has really helped me manage my team. And also it's influenced how I pick and choose clients because it was really interesting to, to figure out what motivates me. But ideally, you'd want to be taking certain key areas of topics that are very relevant to your business offering and you know, positioning yourself as an authority in that space. I think that's a great reason to, to give a talk. You mentioned one of those conferences, South by Southwest. That's a pretty big conference to get asked to speak at. Well, it's a huge conference with lots and lots of different events within it. Yeah. Big. So I certainly wasn't doing a, a, big, a big talk there. Um, I was very lucky to be advisory board member for South by Southwest Pitch uh, in 2019. And that was because I'm part of a not-for-profit. I helped co-found a not-for-profit called Sports Tech Ireland. Um, and I do find that actually being a part of something that is perhaps related to an industry that's non-commercial, that can also be another means to speaking opportunities so my work with Sports Tech Ireland is voluntary and none of us get paid. And our aim is to help attract foreign direct investment to Ireland and to, to build an ecosystem. And um, it's very Limerick focused, but it has brought me all over the world. And I've gotten to you know speak at or mentor or judge or be involved in various different initiatives because of that. And because it's non-commercial and because it's trying to give back to a region, that in itself creates opportunities. So I would recommend people who have expertise in key areas to consider looking at becoming an advisory board member or becoming part of an organization that gives back as a means to grow their network and also to find meaning in the work that they do and to give them something meaningful to talk about. Yeah, because it's about more than just commercial work, isn't it? I just want to focus on South by Southwest because if I was asked to speak at South by Southwest, and if it was in the tiniest backroom workshop with 10 people attending, I would still be pretty intimidated. Well, actually, I'll tell you the most intimidated I was ever was I emceed at Strata Data in London, which is a big data conference that runs in London, Hong Kong and New York. Yeah. And really, I said yes, because, you know, it seemed like a great opportunity. But once I got there and the caliber of the speakers and the complexity of the content was well beyond me um, in that. Now, it was fascinating areas around AI and and, and, uh, and big data. And I have done quite a lot of work in analytics, but it was still heavyweight content. And I really felt intimidated by that. And so, you know, obviously preparation and, and uh, practice is key, 
But for me, I think a lot of my <laughs> capabilities around speaking came from a completely different pastime, which 20 years ago, I was actually a professional fire performer. So my job then was to go out on stage and, and basically perform with, with fire. And is this a sort of juggling or... It's actually called fire poise. It's like okay. fire spinning. Oh, yes. I know. Yeah, poise. There's sort of kind of weights on strings. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's balls of weighted Kevlar dipped in fuel that spin at high speeds around your body. And it's a beautiful dance. Sounds a little dangerous. It is a bit dangerous. Well, it's not really all that dangerous if you know what you're doing. But um, I was the Ireland's only fully insured fire performer at one stage. And we would have done a lot. Sure. Yes, fully insured. How does one get insurance for such It's a very, very difficult thing to do. But, uh, and I actually, I don't even know if you can in this country anymore. But um, it was wow. actually, it was an accidental hobby that turned into a career that turned into my first business, which was an event management company. But um, with that particular pastime, I learned that when you are going in front of a crowd, it's a performance. And there's a couple of things that really matter. Your presence, your body language, your ability to hold people's attention. And it's very interesting. There's a curve you can draw about your entrance, your pacing. It's almost like telling a story. In fact, a performance is telling a story without words. You need to build it to a type of crescendo and then have an excellent finish. And when you're speaking, that sense of building the story, of weaving things together, of capturing people's imagination and then leaving them with a, a something meaningful for them to think about and that they have got something out of. It is absolutely storytelling, but performing on stage, especially when you have no words, you're telling a story with movement and that's obviously even harder. Wow. Like <laughs> it's most speakers a nightmare to have to give a talk without slides. <laughs> you have to give a talk without talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've, you do have quite a, quite interesting props though to work with. Instead. That's true. Yeah. But on that topic of slides, I, this is one of my, uh, this is an interesting thing for me because I would always would help people who are speaking. And I've mentored some of my clients who have to, have to give presentations. And I find it so important to not work from written notes. And we all know this is basic. Yeah. But you have to completely free yourself from your crutches. And the written notes are crutches. And some people use slides as a crutch because they use the slides as a means to remember what they're going to say next. And actually, I spoke only a couple of months ago and I made a complete balls of it. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Now this is what we're here for. This is this is the real payoff. <laughs> because you survived. I did. This is your worst talk you ever gave? Well, you know, it was off the back of those three yeah. speaking engagements, right? Okay. So so tell, tell us more. Pretty, I was feeling pretty good about myself. You know, yeah. I had incredible feedback. You know, I had people, you know, after DMX, people reached out to me on Twitter and said, or on, on LinkedIn and said, you know, that I'd helped them shed light on their career path. And like, I felt pretty good. And then I was scheduled to speak at Pint Size Marketing, which is an amazing meetup in Dublin that happens once a month. And it's run by a really talented guy called Mark. And it's part of the Learn Inbound conference. And once a month, speakers are invited to give talks on their topics of areas of interest. And it's quite technical. It's very focused on inbound marketing and, and search engine optimization, both of which are areas within my, within my scope. 
And so I thought to myself, yes, I'd love to speak at that. And on the day, I was heading through Timber on my way to the venue. And my, I was pickpocketed. My phone was stolen. Oh, And as we all know, your phone is your remote brain. It generally has a lot of interesting and important details in it, like the phone number of the conference organizer and the location. It even has, you know, Google Maps, which I need pretty much to find anything. And so by the time I got there, I literally couldn't move forward with my life until I went to a phone store, bought a disposable cheap handset and had my SIM replaced so that I could actually access my everything. So um, I arrived a little bit late, too late to sound check, but sure, I'd been through these slides before, I knew them inside out. I was giving a talk that was kind of a hybrid of the career path merged with some SEO stuff. And I was chatting away, super confident, uh, stood up on stage and opened up the first slide and it wasn't the first slide. Oh, no. Different deck. Well, it was my deck, but what had happened was I think the first slide and the last slide got swapped around and it completely threw me because I kind of, once I start, I'm off and I'm gone and I'm great. But the start is kind of like I get my cue from that first slide, gives me my starting word and, and then I flow. But that first slide wasn't there and it completely threw me. And so I started on my usual story. I do this talk about problem solving and I use a metaphor of loggers from the 16th century, which is, it's kind of funny and entertaining, but I completely fluffed the story and I ground to a halt in front of all of these highly technical marketing people. And I'm not joking you, I had to look at the ceiling so that my eyes wouldn't well up and I had to count to three. And I was standing there thinking, I'm really good at this. What the hell is happening to me? And I uh, I looked at the ceiling and out loud, I counted to three. And then I took a deep breath and I just kind of got back into it and, and it was fine. Now, to me, this was a fate worse than death. I felt like yeah. I literally felt the ground was oh, This, is, this is the nightmare. This is why people don't speak in public. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing was, first of all, I wasn't on fire. So it wasn't... Like, you know, if I had been doing fire deploy, the worst thing that could happen then is <laughs> yeah. So uh, no, nobody got actually physically injured. Yeah. Only thing that got damaged was my ego. And the interesting thing is my ego was fully charged after the three great gigs that I've done. And I'd forgotten something really important, which is that the audience is always on your side and they're not judging you harshly they want you to do well and if you make a little fumble it's so easy to make a joke of it and to laugh it off and to gather yourself but the audience really really wants you to do well and they really really are genuinely they're there to hear you so you shouldn't actually allow yourself to get caught up in this idea that you have to be perfect and what I should have done when I copped that the starting slide wasn't right I should have actually paused and taken a minute and gone Oh, actually, hang on one second, lads. I just need to, you know, check these slides. And even if I just checked forward for the next two or three and kind of checked it out, I would have been reassured. Oh, no, it's only the first one. Instead of wanting to pretend that everything was fine and, and rush on it anyway, I should have just taken a minute. 
you know, that's perfectly fine. Nobody's expecting you to be. Yeah, it's more stressful to try and cover it up than it is to just stop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Say, okay, this is not right, but we'll keep going. Yeah, and then, you know, you also have to kind of, you have to leave your ego at the door and stop trying to be, you know, if you can respect that we're all human and mistakes are perfectly fine. And if you enjoy it, that's way more important than you being word perfect. Yeah. You said something interesting earlier on about pacing, that this idea of weaving together threads to reach a crescendo and then leaving, leaving your audience with something useful. And I see so few conference talks, especially at technical conferences where that's done. Most mm-hmm. conference talks are, even if they're well presented, and I, I would include mine in this, in, 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 in most cases are just one damn thing after another. Yeah. There is no arc. And I guess from the, the fire dancing, if you don't create that tension from that arc, there is no performance. How do you create that pacing? So there's a brilliant, very old, very poor quality clip on YouTube of Kurt Vonnegut talking about the shape of stories. And it's about four minutes long. I would highly recommend you watch it. Okay, we'll see if we can find it and put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah it's gorgeous. And you know, he talks about pacing and arc. And it, it, it really is a great um, starting point when you're considering your story that you're telling. And for me, what I try and do is I try and start by creating a little bit of um, either confusion or intrigue. And that's by, you know, starting out with a quirky opening or um, opening out with a little problem, a really neat problem or a pain point. And so I gave a talk last week about storytelling and brand. If you walk into a room and if you see a load of people sitting there and they're bored and they're looking at their phones, and if you start off with facts and figures, you're never going to get their attention. But if you walk on stage and if you allow a moment of pause and then you say to them, I'm going to tell you a story, everyone will look up. Oh, yeah. That's great. Because we're human beings. We yeah. love stories. We, everything we do is a story. Everything we do is, is about, uh, you know, we, we tell stories to children. We tell stories to each other. We love stories, whether it's gossip or news. Everything that we watch on, uh, that attracts our attention on social media. These are all aspects of storytelling. So I think that, you know, moment of intrigue or interest at the start is important to grab their attention. And then... In terms of pacing, I think that just comes from practice. Um, I personally speak way too fast. And a really good thing about slides for me is that it forces me to know I'm going to, especially when I practice it, I'm going to spend about 60 seconds on each slide. And if I find myself going too fast, I know about it because I'm looking at, I'm on slide three and I'm on minute three. So, so that's a kind of a really basic way for me to, to map it out. Mm. And then in terms of that kind of arc of that tension, I find it really helps if I bring it all together at the end with a solution and then I end with takeaways. So I finish with, you know, these are the things if there, if you only remember these few things from this talk, this is what I would advise or, or, or recommend. So those key insights or takeaways that kind of boil down everything that you've shared into one key slide is a great way to finish because you're now giving them something that they need. And they now have substance and weight because of the, the stories that you've told. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'm running a program at the moment. It's a mini accelerator for, for companies and I do a live broadcast and it's been running for 10 weeks and one of the sessions are two and a half hours long, which is a long time to have to speak. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's broken up with videos and Q&A and, and, and all the rest. But there was one week where I put my slides together the night before and I didn't do a full <laughs> run through. I had 40 slides and I thought to myself, oh, uh, you know, that's definitely enough to fill the time. And because I hadn't practiced, I flew through 30 of the slides in the first half hour and I hit the lunch break slide like an hour early. (laughs) I really realized that I had to slow right down and really milk out the last kind of 10 slides. But I did that by really engaging the audience and opening up questions and saying, you know, what do you think about that? Have you experienced that? Can you tell me a story? (laughs) And that actually made it a really engaging session, which is great. Timing thing is tricky. I think it's something that takes practice. I run meetups and and conferences and that sort of thing. And what I see with a lot of inexperienced speakers is that they often exceed their time limits. I don't know. It's something I used to do and I've got better at it now with practice. Mm. Is there a way consciously to get better at that or is it just... So this is what I do anyway. Whenever I'm driving, I find practicing a talk when I'm driving is a really great space to do it. Um, okay, I might look completely bonkers as <laughs> to other drivers. But one of the things is when you're driving, you're physically occupied with a particular task. So it's a really good practice area for speaking because, you know, when you stand up on a stage, you're distracted because... Yeah. You're a bit nervous. Your adrenaline is up a little bit. Your heart rate is elevated. And you're not able to be your fully, complete, present, relaxed self. And when you're driving, part of your brain is focusing on the driving. And so you are slightly distracted. So it's actually a great way to make sure you're able to talk. So I'm on a long journey. I'll set my alarm for however many minutes that the talk needs to be. And from memory, I will just start. And it's really great because I can't stop the timer. I can't hit pause. I'm driving. And you just have to keep going. And I I go through the whole talk right to the end with a natural flow and pace. And then I pull over and check to see how many minutes I've been doing. And funnily enough, it really works because it mimics that environment. And also, you can't stop and check any notes. You can't allow yeah, yourself. you just have to keep going. Yeah, yeah, you have to keep going. And um, so for timing, I use the car. For some reason, it just worked really well. Um, and then also, I allow a little bit of improv. I don't try and stick rigorously to a script. So if something pops into my head, I will throw it in. And if something doesn't feel like it's working, I'll cut it out. So I think with more practice, you become skilled at that. I also find it's really, really useful if you're speaking at a conference to definitely try and refer back to or mention ideas or thoughts shared at other talks earlier in the day. Yeah. yeah you know, and even into your own because now you're building and connecting to the audience. You're saying you may have heard such and such speaker earlier on about programmatic and, you know, relevant to that is the fact that we all have to look at our GDPR. So you can tie together ideas and, and weave it into your talk so it feels original. But in terms of timing, yeah, practice. And I guess, um, I don't know how other people do it, but 
keeping an eye on the slide numbers so you know you're about halfway through or yeah, putting numbers on your slides really helps so you know in your head how many you've got left. I have one last question for you. Okay. Have you ever been tempted to uh, break out the fire boy one last time? <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, I am not insured to oh, do God, anymore. Yeah. But actually, I just came back from a wedding from one of my, my first employee at Incline and um, got married in France last week. And as a special present, I did a fire performance oh, to the wow. wedding party. Wow. So I can confirm I am no, no longer as good as I used to be, but I can still I can still manage to, to put on a good show when I have to. What a treat. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, and on that note, Emily, thank you so much. It's been fantastic. It's been lovely. Thank you so much. Wonderful stuff. All right. Take care. You too. Bye now. Thank you so much for listening. Just a few things before the embers fade and we wrap up another episode of the Fireside with VoxGig podcast. You can find notes and links from this podcast at voxgeek.com slash podcasts. We also publish a weekly newsletter on public speaking, selecting the best advice and techniques from some of the world's greatest speakers, both ancient and modern. Rhetoric is an old and revered art, not especially easy to master, but a skill like any other, and one you can also learn. Visit voxgeek.com slash speakers to subscribe. If you've enjoyed this fireside chat, please consider subscribing to our podcast. Please also leave a review that helps us make this podcast even better. If you'd like to contact me directly, please email me, richard at voxgig.com. If you'd like to be counted as a supporter, just let me know and I'll add you to our supporters page. And one final reminder to check out our sponsor, simplecast.com, who helped make this podcast possible. Till next time, remember, take a deep breath, pause, and step forward.